Oh man, it was awesome. So wow. Well, that's good. Yeah. You passed, you passed the finish line early there. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Wow, that was great. Um, all right, let's get reset. Um and uh we're we're keep rolling uh on things. So let me uh let's reset for the hour and we're gonna we're gonna talk about space. What's up with space? We'll get to that in a minute. So let me let me get reset here. Welcome to the Geocache Talk Network's eighth annual podcast of hope. Once again, we are raising funds for St. Jude Children's Hospital. Our goal is to raise $13,000, and we can only do that with your help. To help us reach our goal, please visit the website, podcastofhope.com, and donate. Now, let's join our host of the Geocache Talk Network's Podcast of Hope. Oh, a couple things. Um, hey, Derek. Derek. Hey, how you doing? We got Derek on board. Um, so... Uh, let me mention about some of our uh, giveaways this hour, and then we'll get jump right in and talk about things. So again, Arted Crafted is giving away a shirt every hour. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Arted Crafted, for that. Um, so we're going to give away a shirt. And he also, between now and the, the uh, 16th of December, if you want to buy uh, uh, if you buy a shirt, uh, he will give you free shipping. Um, just use um, the code. Let me tell you what the code is. Um, POH2023, and you'll get free shipping. So that's um, that's really cool. Um, POH2023, yep. And you get free shipping on shirts. Um, um, let's see. We also have um, this hour. Um, yeah, there you go. Thank you, buddy. Oh, sorry, I jumped in there. Direwolf um, is going to be giving away uh, premium membership. So thank you, Direwolf821, for um, for doing that. Um, so can you stop for a second, that. Gary? Yep. Um, check. Do a refresh on your screen of your donation. Okay. I believe. Oh my goodness! Completely blew past everything. We we just completely blew the doors off. <laughs> we need to pull, uh, the, pull, pull the graphic uh, off. Oh yeah. Uh, we just hit twenty three thousand five hundred and thirty four dollars and ninety nine cents. Can we get a penny? Oh my! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that kind of, that oh kind of took care of it, I think. <laughs> It's it's hard to follow that up. I was away right, from my well, lunch break, and apparently y'all have just finished everything. Uh, <laughs> We're, yeah, that's, yeah, amazing. that's yeah. incredible. <laughs> I, I, I yeah, I'm speechless. That that is that is incredible. Um, yeah, f- f- thanks so much to Doug for 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 doing yes, that and you, being a part. I mean, it's oh my gosh, that is that is How so do you incredible. Even put words of the generosity of. Doug, obviously, and the other geocachers as well. I just, it's, it amazes me every year how generous people are. Oh, it is. I mean, it, I mean oh my God. It, oh, yeah. And, you know, like you said, it's, it's, um, you know, the, the people, the cashers who jumped on and were like, oh, I'm, I'm going to give, you know, and I'm that's like, yeah. oh my God. 
right? I mean, oh, oh it's yeah. amazing. That's, that's, that's so amazing. That's awesome. I really, really do appreciate it. I mean, I remember last year where it came down to what was the last 10 minutes. Then we finally hit our Pretty goal. Pretty much. Now, yep. you know what? We don't have to worry about anything tonight. Let's have we can, the rest of the night. <laughs> we just have, have fun, fun and just kick back and just enjoy. Exactly. Enjoy it. But hey, but still keep donating to St. Jude. It does a great thing. There's yeah, a big, yeah. big huge uh, marathon this morning here. My son had to drop somebody off after work. Oh, cool. He went, why is there so much traffic? Or why, why is all the streets blocked? And later this afternoon, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because the marathon was today. He's like, that's why I couldn't yeah. get around anywhere. Yeah. Like I, said, I was right there by St. Jude. I said, that would be why. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, well, and, but yeah, just you thanks, know, that's something. Yeah. And, that, and that's something, Derek, that you see, you know, once in a while, you, you know, be living in Memphis, you know, you get to see once in a while, you know, you um, just the, the outpouring of either, like you said, the marathon or you've got, you've got um, um, golf tournaments that people get to, you know, that are people part of, the, you know, something I mentioned earlier, you know, the, the person who um, drives down, uh, you know, motorcycle enthusiast. And there's people that, um, and I think that that's something that I think will care. Hopefully, will really start to catch on. Is well, the gamers like you know we're part of the Play Live, which you know we're a podcast. But there's all these people out there that do they they do a game that uh, they get together on Twitch and they'll do gaming uh, video games online and they raise money for St. Jude during their playing and that's just a, right it blows my mind and it's it's incredible that um the people do that and, and it's you know. right and they're constantly coming up with trying to get different programming uh a ways to be able to raise the funds and everything because i mean there's yeah. so much that i, I I'm, i've been i've been at a parade for my daughter and all that today so i'm sure you've gone into how much each day's cost of course nobody has to pay for anything and mm -hmm. just yeah that's good there and here's something that if you've never done this because i was recently um looking actually at a position there at saint jude uh you can actually go on you can actually do a virtual tour of saint jude and it'll walk you through all the different places on their website wow. and you can actually see the history um some of the um the survivors that were kids and now they're adults now they're showing you where yeah. they found there's like a couple that met at saint jude and they are married. Incredible. They both have their own stories and how they came together. And St. Jude is where they saved is where their life began. So hey, those, just go check that out. It's, it's, it's amazing place. And they do such great work. It's just, it's just awesome. Oh man. Hey Gary, yeah. there's a, there's a space uh, crossover with St. Jude. Um, yeah. Most people might remember the inspiration for mission. Yep. That was in uh, September of 2021. Uh, yep. For, you know, the press kept saying civilians. Well, technically, they're not civilians, but they are not professional, you know, astronauts. But uh, Jared, Jared Isaacman uh, was the leader of the mission. He's an entrepreneur. And then um, Haley Arsenault. Yeah, Haley. The, uh, people that flew on that mission. Yep. She was a child patient of St. Jude. She had bone cancer. And now yep. she's a physician assistant who work at, at St. Jude. And she went to yeah. space for, for three days. She's the first person to fly in space with a prosthetic. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I, I, I changed the background to inspiration for that's something that, uh, uh, you know, is, uh, something that we're continuing, 
uh, something I ask uh, every year is trying to get Haley on sometime uh, in the future. So we'll, we're going to hold out that one day we can have Haley on for, but, uh, and, but and that's, that- not to put any shade on on our fundraising here, but they raised yes. two hundred and fifty million by by flying that mission as a fundraiser for. Yeah, that was awesome. that's a that's awesome. What a great creative way to raise money for St. Jude. That is really incredible. So, but um, that's not tonight. Um, that's someday in the future. But tonight, um, we are going to talk a little bit about what's up with space. And, uh, I, uh, posed some, some questions to Tupper ahead of time. And so, uh, Tupper, I'm going to, um, uh, bring up our notes and, um, I guess let's start with, um, and I've got several photos, but can we, let's start with this one. Um, let's, let's talk about this project, um, and kind of tell people a little bit about, uh, how this came about. Yeah. So um, I'm the chief engineer at NASA Goddard. Um, Most people will be familiar with the more famous NASA centers, Johnson, where the astronauts are, and Kennedy, where the launches happen. Um, But the science missions are all flown out of Goddard in Maryland or JPL in California. And this particular Mm -hmm. mission from this picture here was OSIRIS-REx. It was a mission that went out to an asteroid called Bennu, and they got a a sample of some of the dirt and rocks off the surface of Bennu, and they put it in this capsule and brought it back to Earth. And on September 24th, it landed out in the uh, Army's test range in Utah. So this was uh, right after it, w- it landed. And um, they've since brought the materials into a curation facility that's at Johnson Space Center in Houston, the same place that the Apollo samples are curated. And they've, uh, <laughs> this is me. That's not one of the samples. That's a Martian meteorite. Uh, <laughs> But there's you. But, yeah, the, a Martian meteorite that uh, the chief scientist uh, at, at Goddard right. um, had from a private collector. But I put that picture on Facebook holding a piece of Mars in my hand. Right. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah awesome. Th- th- this, this project is pretty amazing. We talked about before today. We talked a few minutes today, which was from – um, an extreme layman's perspective, I can understand firing a rocket into space and hitting an asteroid. Not, you know, that's amazing in itself, but, you know, hitting it just to see what, you know, to see if in the future we ever need to do that, uh, makes perfect sense. But I can't wrap my head around this idea of y'all sent something up there, you collected it and somehow got it back to the earth is mind blowing. I mean, yeah, the, it, it was, um, Bennu was an asteroid that, that, um, all the scientists thought was sort of a rocky asteroid with a powdery surface. Um, right. Almost like a beach because, um, a Japanese mission that had gone to a similar asteroid saw this like beach like material. So, the sample head, it's called the touch and go. It's it, it looks like a pogo stick, but basically the spacecraft comes straight down mm-hmm. um, 
and then at the at the head of this arm that looks like a pogo stick the the sample uh is is sort of blown like uh like a vacuum cleaner almost um oh cool blown blown the dust into the sample head um but when they got there you know there was no beach <laughs> and <laughs> and all the engineers were like there is no place to go and put this sample head down that's not surrounded by boulders that are the size of small houses right um and so they actually had to map the whole surface they picked four spots and down selected to one spot but even then the safe spot to try to make a grab of this gravel type surface was um five meters whereas the original requirement to to hit a certain spot was like 100 meters so imagine hitting you know a parking spot instead of a whole football stadium yeah wow, wow. And, we can't change the hardware, you know, you can't fly up there and put a different camera on or something like that. Uh -huh. So what they changed was the software. Right. <laughs> and they and they went from a, a system that was based on a laser altimeter to a system that was based on cameras. And wow. basically as it flew in, the cameras were doing uh, their image recognition of all the uh, boulders and they hit wow. within like one or two meters of, of the target spot. Um, but it was a surprise. I mean, um, they expected to hit like hard gravel and instead it was more like, um, a, a ball pit <laughs> at a right. park and you, you know, you jump into it and you just go in. Right. So <laughs> it, it hit going in at like uh, half a meter a second. And after two seconds, it, it was a meter, you know, it wasn't, wasn't stopping. So right. the spacecraft was already programmed to to back up, and we collected a lot more gravel than than what we were expecting. So, <laughs> wow, it was a good it was a good mission, and the you know the engineers definitely had to uh, adapt to an unexpected surface when they got there. Right, so that's how, incredible. How long does it take to plan a mission like that? Yeah, I mean. Um, I mean, it just these, doesn't happen uh, overnight or in a year. Yeah, all, all of these <laughs> science missions are competed. So if if you go back to the original principal investigator who suggested going out to Bennu and getting a sample and bringing it back, that was right. probably like 15 years ago or more because you have to propose multiple times. Right. You, you know, you get rejected the first couple of times and then finally he got selected. And then that investigator actually died. <laughs> And the oh principal investigator, Dante Loretta from University of Arizona, he took over and, and did the rest of the mission from, you know, like three years to get out there, a year or two orbiting it and mapping it, and then three years to get right. back. So, um, but Bennu is uh, an interesting object. It is one of the sort of more dangerous asteroids because it's in nearly the same orbit as the Earth. It's called an Earth-crossing orbit. So mm -hmm. part of its time, it spins outside the Earth's orbit and part in time. So every so often it crosses. And I think I pulled the numbers out here. In 2182, yeah. there's 0.05% chance that it'll hit the earth so oh wow it's, it's good that we know what it's made of now <laughs> right if anybody's around in 2182 they, they might have to worry about it well like you said you can learn so much from 
some of these some of these projects that um, you know it's it's got to be a, you know like you said you, the, these decisions of like which which of these projects do we do which ones do we we can't do now but we want to do in the future you know um, when you know and people people as you know will complain about you know like Hubble oh Hubble was whatever it's like that was a pretty amazing process for that time I mean well even getting getting to the moon which we'll talk about that in a little bit but those are incredible things I mean uh, you know people are like well Hubble had problems well yeah I mean it those things do happen but the, the Hubble story is very much like the Apollo 13 story, right? Uh, it's almost yeah. more inspirational because they went and fixed it, you know, even yeah. though it had a mistake. If you go to the Air and Space Museum in, in downtown D.C., they have a Hubble exhibit and you can stand right next to the backup primary mirror for Hubble, which, of course, was built perfectly by a different right. manufacturer. But that, that was not the one that flew, the screwed up one. Right. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Um, so when uh, when that landed, I was just curious when it, when that landed on the asteroid. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've had mm-hmm. 15 years of prepping this, and that that the 10 seconds that last. I know because I remember watching when the Mars rover landed, this most recent one. Yeah, everybody yep. was freaking out. Is it going to make it? What's going to happen? Did did we just blow billions yeah. of dollars? Yeah, everybody's biting their nails down to their elbows and stuff like yeah. that, making sure that. What what is that feeling really really like? I mean, since you've lived through that, what what's it really like? Yeah. Um, well, this this um, sample return where it landed in Utah, um, I was actually at the uh, Mission Control Center, which is out at uh, Lockheed Martin's facility in Denver, and my only role there was to advise the project manager, um, you know, if something went wrong, um, you know, what what they should do. Uh, and luckily, nothing went wrong, or nothing we could do anything about. But, right. uh, but we we were all just you know looking at the telemetry, and it's even worse. Like you said, if you're if you're out at an asteroid or out at uh, Mars or another planet, because the time delay of the radio signals coming back <laughs> be like eight or twenty minutes from from Mars, for example. So, although you're biting your fingers and and watching the telemetry, you know, is it going to land or is it going to crash? Um, it actually happened 20 minutes earlier. <laughs> you can't do anything about it. Right. <laughs> so it's only you, you're finding out about it, right? Yeah. That's I'm just true. amazed by the math of all this. Cause I mean, it's just yeah. the math of being able to hit a moving target going one direction. Yep. Then that target as you're on it is continually moving. And then you have the math to come back to hit another moving target. That's yeah. spinning, all of them spinning at the same time, and be able to hit that, and you landed oh. it in a parking spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that that math. It just blows me away. I work with kids doing robotics, and even on their little four by eight table, if you're off one degree, the further you yep. go from where you start off, the further yep. you're going to be. And you're talking billions of miles. Yeah, right. but you have cameras on board when you get close. You're 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 going off your your local cameras. You're not yeah. shooting blind all the way from Earth out. Yeah, incredible. Um, and incredible. It, it's actually easier to hit more accurately on an airless world 
like Bennu or the moon than it is on Earth or Mars because you don't really know what the atmosphere is doing. Um, Even on the day that we landed on September 24th uh, in Utah, um, you know, even even which way the winds were blowing and and how high the atmosphere was and thick and we ended up going like nine kilometers past where we predicted it would land it was still within the the, the target area but right it was definitely um different than the prediction because you can't predict the weather and things like no that. the weatherman's the only job you can have and be wrong <laughs> most of the time and still keep your job right right yeah uh, so, um, I want to, if we can let's switch gears and talk about, uh, what we learned about a, um, the recent asteroid flyby from the Lucy mission. Um, yeah, I think and, you have a picture of that. Yeah. The, the yeah. Lucy is another competed mission. Um, and that's, uh, flying out to, to visit five or six asteroids, um, that are called the Trojan asteroids. They are out at the distance of Jupiter, but they precede or trail Jupiter by 60 degrees. Um, this asteroid is called Dinkatesh and it's a main belt asteroid. So uh, this happened to be like a, a good, this isn't the science they were going after, but it happened to be close enough that as we flew by it, we got some good pictures. And the right. fact that it uh, has a, a second object there called a binary uh, was not known because, you know, from Earth, you can shoot this with a radar and it looks just like one pixel or you look right. at a telescope and it just looks like one pixel. But then you get close to it and you're like, nope, that is not just one object. That's two objects. So, yeah. And I, I, um, yeah, and they just gave a name, uh, Salem, uh, uh, Egyptian word that means peace to the to the smaller object there. Right. No, it's very cool. And um, we talked uh, earlier today about, let me see if I get this right, Lagrange points? Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned these these places that precede uh, Jupiter's orbit by 60 degrees uh, in front of and behind. And they're part of these Lagrange points, which it, you can think of them as kind of like gravitational balance points. Uh, imagine right. between the sun and the Earth, there's a point where if you sat there, you would exactly be balanced, right? You you move a little bit toward the sun, you'd fall in the sun. If you moved a little bit toward the earth, you'd fall into the earth. But if you're right at the place where the gravity's balanced, that's called Lagrange point one. There's another one on the other okay. side, Lagrange point two. Uh, three is on the other side of the sun. And then four and five are these magic ones that are uh, precede and, and trail the the body. And they tend to be like garbage collector type um, balance points because they're 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 stable, almost like the uh, oceanic gyre in the Pacific, where the garbage yep. patch uh, collects everything. Right. And uh, that's why these Trojan asteroids are collected out at Jupiter's orbit. They they probably were originally main belt asteroids, uh, but as the solar system formed, they got sucked up by by Jupiter's gravity and dumped into these uh, garbage patch areas. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, so there's a little yeah. swirling point. Yeah. There's, so they're cool. definitely from the beginning of the solar system. And that's the scientific interest in going to visit them because if, right. 
if whatever the geology is out there is from the be very beginning of the solar system. So, wow. uh, for example, in the Bennu um, uh, materials that have come back, they've already found sort of the beginning chemicals for amino acids, which oh wow well, which means you know you're on the way to life, right? You 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 kind of need to start with amino acids before you can build up higher level things and eventually DNA and sure. eventually life. But um, the fact that the precursors are, are there is, of course, very interesting. Yeah. Wow. Um, and like you said, we, we, we talked about, or you, you mentioned, which is kind of something we can get wrap our head around, which is the whole idea of these areas in the, in our oceans that, do these kind of weird swirly things where things will collect there, which is obviously, you know, a good place to go collect some of the, our plastic trash and get it off the, get it uh, out of the ocean. But um, something else that um, you, you, you wanted to kind of bring up and um, which was about some things that are, that y'all are doing um, as far as the ocean is concerned. So tell people a little bit about, um, the pace, the, what, what, what that project. Yeah. Pace is the next mission from Goddard that's going to launch. It's a earth science mission. So it, it flies around 700 kilometers and it looks down at the ocean. Uh, pace stands for plankton, aerosol, cloud, and ocean ecosystem. Um, it has a camera on it that, that looks basically at the ocean color and like a hundred different wave bands Cool. Uh, so it'll it'll provide information for models not only like for the ocean health but also air pollution, um, algal blooms, pathogens, water quality, um, how the ocean and the air interact. Um, I learned so much just by, you know, I'm not the scientist; I'm the engineer sitting in the room. But they they always start all the the, the briefings with a little bit of of the science, and so things I learned about the the dust from the Sahara, you know, gets picked up and brought right. across the, the ocean and it, it feeds a lot of the uh, Atlantic with um, mm. material that, that came actually out of Africa. Oh. And, uh, and even onto the continental U.S., right? A lot of when, when, whenever it rains, right. <laughs> middle, each little raindrop is a little bit of uh, Africa uh, raining down on you. So wow, wow, <laughs> yeah, what a great project! And that starts January, right? That's yeah. Uh, uh, we're the launch date right now is January thirtieth, but it's exactly on the same date as one of the cargo uh, runs up to space station. Uh, oh, okay. they're, both, they're both SpaceX launches on Falcon 9s uh, on side-by-side pads, but um, they won't launch us on the exact same day. So we might have to go like February 6th, a, a week later or something. Right, right. Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. Um, then uh, um, uh, one thing that I, uh, well, one of the one of the other things I want to talk about, which is, really what's behind you. Um, and I, I know this was uh, a project near and dear to your heart. Yep. <laughs> so uh, tell people a little bit about what in the, what in the world is behind you. 
and yeah. tell the stories. I mean, those. Yeah, this is this is a photo <laughs> of uh, James Webb Space Telescope when it was sitting in the big clean room at Goddard. Um, so uh, we have really nice viewing windows into that clean room, and uh, you know ev everybody had to come and and get pictures of the telescope. Um, yeah, you know, what you see in that picture is the 18 segments uh and then behind my head is one of the folded back sides wow um, so once it gets into space the the two sides fold forward and then there's a total of 18 hexagon segments each one of those is about a meter and a half so it's six and a half meters total across the mirror and you know compared to hubble which was 2.4 meters or eight feet uh right. you know this is over 20 feet so the collecting area is a lot bigger and um the fact that it's very cold uh means it's going after infrared light um so it launched on christmas day of 2021 i was in the backup uh mission control which is at goddard the mm -hmm. primary mission control is at Space Telescope Science Institute in Baltimore, uh, oh, okay, which is part cool. of Johns Hopkins. Yep, um, which is also where Hubble is operated from. Um, and the uh, the launch was from French Guiana because it was a European provided launch uh, on an Ariane five. So it launched out of. Um, South America, which is where France has their launch base. And, oh, okay. um, and it, everything worked. And, uh, you know, you guys were talking before about the uh, seven minutes of terror of uh, yeah. the rover yeah. coming, coming down on right. Mars where you hold, hold your yep. breath for, for seven minutes while you're waiting. Ex well, I, exactly. I call the JWST deployments the seven weeks of terror. And you cannot <laughs> hold your breath for seven weeks because every day, there was another deployment and um, wow. we, we have these rules at NASA where the more important the mission is, uh, the more rules get applied to it. Uh, and one of the rules is no single point failures. If you're, you know, class A mission, almost $10 billion, James Webb is worth, it's supposed to be no single point failures, right? There, everything's right. redundant and that's what you right. do for human spaceflight. Well, that was wrong. There's 336 single point failures on James Webb, and almost all of them are these little release devices where you apply a current oh and uh, <laughs> a little little wire burns and opens up oh. and the pin pulls out. And all of those, the sun shields you see in the pictures. Yeah. I think it might be a picture of JWST I sent you. Um, that when that sun shield uh. pulled it out, every one of those, nope. That's uh, Lucy. Oh, not that one. The, Sorry. Yeah. Maybe says JWST in the. Does but it... anyway, yeah, the, the folding out of yeah. that sun shield, uh, which is protecting the hiding the, uh, the yeah. spacecraft behind it, um, had so many little pin pullers. And they, they, each day, a few of those were going off. And that went for like seven weeks. So oh, it my. was kind of scary in the fact that it, it worked all the way one of the things i did before the spacecraft was shipped from um it, the uh, final assembly was out right. at uh, northrop grumman in la and before it was shipped right. down to french guiana 
uh, and that was interesting in itself because it had to go, you know, down from LA through the Panama Canal around to the Atlantic side of South America. Oh, right. And uh, <laughs> one of the things I do is review the risk matrix for all these missions. And on the risk matrix was pirates. <laughs> and I'm like, how did pirates get on your risk matrix? Because right. you had to put it on a barge and, and take it through some of oh. the most pirate infested waters. Not space pirates, real pirates. Real pirates. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Like, what would they do if, if they took the barge hostage? Oh, we right. have a million dollar telescope. It'd be a shame if anything happened to it. Had they, yeah, how, yeah, if they would have, if they would have even known what was going on, then. <laughs> wow. One of my assignments from the NASA administrator was to write a aggregate risk assessment of, you know, was this thing going to work? And right. to be honest, the folding out of the telescope, which was supposed to be the hard thing. Right. I had no concerns about because right. those are all like hinges, like door hinges, right? right? It's gonna yeah. work. Um, gonna work. But the the sun shield was completely different. That's that's more like you know unfolding a sail on a sailboat, right? Where that oh, floppy oh. mylar material, which is thinner than saran wrap, oh, uh, and there's five layers of it, and it all has to pull out with thirty two pulleys and cables, um, was by no means. Uh, you know, a sure thing. Um, wow. Every time we did a deployment on the ground, something went wrong. So the fact that we did it in space and it all worked Yay. correctly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's by no means a given. So, yeah. Um, and then you, you sent me this one, which is, it, it's an interesting photo. Um, this is one that's become famous because this is like, well, I think you were saying this is really kind of the first, yeah, um, I mean, publicized. It, yeah, mm -hmm. it launched on Christmas Day, and um, you know, the scientists were seeing the images as they came back, and they were go going like, "Uh, we can't talk about it, but th they're pretty amazing." And then right. finally, on July twelfth of twenty two, so you know, seven months into it, they did this big science release, and this mm -hmm. was sort of the headliner image. Actually, President Biden released this the day before. Right. Um, from the White House. And um, the the reason it's so impressive is that, for example, the Hubble takes some images called Hubble deep fields. And then they did one that was an ultra deep field. And that's like staring at one place in the sky. They picked the darkest place in the sky they could find, stared at it with right. Hubble for hundreds of hours. And it made an image like this. And this was JWST in like four hours. Uh, wow. Got, uh, wow. Um, and, and this is in infrared. Hubble is invisible. So with the infrared, you're looking at longer wavelengths, closer right. to, oh, you know, what, the heat coming off of objects instead of the light coming off of them. But, right. for example, there's some really small, really red items in there. And... Uh, so, you know, all of these images are false color because infrared, you know, doesn't equate to colors of right. our eye. But right. we try to do the same thing when we colorize the image. The, right. the red ones are 
the longest wavelength and then uh, the blue end of the spectrum is the shortest wavelength. Right. So um, those objects that are red means that they are really long wavelength, which means they are really old because the, mm -hmm. the oldest light is being stretched um, because the universe is, ex is expanding. So any, anything that's old is uh, coming from farther away and being right. stretched. And by the time it gets to, our eyes it's uh shifted all the way down to the the longer wavelength and so those little red objects are the oldest thing ever seen wow um, wow and, and it's, now, is it's, this so, yeah with hubble i mean uh, the universe is like 13 point something billion years old hubble right. can look back to 1 billion after the big bang so um that's pretty then, and then James Webb is now hitting some galaxies that are only 300 million. So we're seeing three times closer, you know, to the Big Bang than what Hubble did. It, uh, it, and you were telling me about how when we look at these, you can see these, um, they kind of look like a comma. They're, they're stretched. What, or some of them are yeah. like little swirls. Yeah. Um, so anytime you look at a, what they call a deep image like this, where you're seeing really, really far away, right? Um, you'll see something called gravitational lensing. So all the objects that look like commas or uh, long, stretchy out, swirled things, yeah, um, they are um, lensed or, or magnified by the objects that are closer. So I think the the, the three big lights kind of right in the middle, they represent big, massive galaxies that are fairly close to us. Right. But those, they, the, the gravity of those things is bending the light from things that are much farther behind. The same way a magnifying glass, um, you know, bends the light and allows you to uh, see really small um, objects. Um, wow. So those swirly, stretchy things are galaxies that are much, much farther away, but being magnified. Gotcha. Right. right. So is this the telescope that has seen the black hole? Is that? Yeah. I mean, um, any telescopes can see black holes, but you don't see the black hole itself. You see the um, gas swirling around it. Um, right. And that there was just a press release about uh, the black holes that are at the center of our own Milky Way galaxy called Sagittarius right. A star. So that might be what you're referring wow. to. Yeah, because I, 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 I know I was just thinking, because since you're seeing it on the infrared spectrum, if you see it better with this telescope, then you would see it with any other telescope. The, the dust makes a big difference um, with, with Hubble or ground-based telescopes where you're in the visible spectrum. A lot of the starlight gets blocked by the dust. And so you can't see it, but the infrared uh -huh. is longer wavelengths and it, and it goes through the dust. So, um, you know, there's probably four or five different communities of astronomers that are all slobbering over, you know, trying to get their time on James Webb. <laughs> e even, wow. even the people that look at planets in our own solar system, the moons of Jupiter, uh, right. we can see Mars that the only planets we can't see is earth and, um, and Mercury and Venus because we can't turn the telescope around and look back toward the sun because it would uh, it would heat up too much. But um, anything that's looking out from the Earth, um, we see those those planets. Yep. 
And wow. actually, one of, the, one of the first assignments I got when I came to NASA in 2002 was um, that we had uh, just uh, specified what the James Webb Space Telescope was going to be, and three companies were competing to, to build it. And um, we wanted, you know, the scientists that wanted to look at solar system objects said, we need Right. moving target tracking because if if you stare at a star or a galaxy that's really far away it doesn't move but if right. you stare at jupiter or moon of jupiter or mars even more uh it's going to be moving fast um so right. uh we had to redesign the algorithms um right in the middle of the competition for who was going to build this thing oh, um, wow. so that the the stars that we were locking onto to hold our pointing um, could move because the place we want to point is actually moving. <laughs> so, right. So the the thing that we have to that would we would usually lock onto, uh, we now have to lock onto a moving target so that the oh, wow. target we're looking at stays mm. still. Right. So. Right. It's, yeah. It's kind of like the parallax effect. It's like if you're in a train or in a car, the trees close to you are moving fast, but the mountains in the back are not moving at all so it's the kind yeah. of the parallaxing effect yeah exactly yeah wow um so something that's uh, really come up come about uh, you know at least in the the public uh, um perceptions of course is the going back to the moon you know we hear about that a little bit more often from a you know again from the public's perspective we, we're getting more, more on that but um so i've i got a couple images you sent me but um i, I guess talk a little bit about uh artemis and uh, well, that's the mars one sorry yeah Ar well it's the moon one the the the, the politics okay. of returning yeah. humans yeah. to the moon is very much wrapped up with mars because okay uh, oh true yeah there's uh <laughs> if if you know we we did apollo uh, up to Apollo 17, and then we left the moon in 1972, and, yeah. and we haven't been back. Um, different presidents have come along and said, you know, we need to go back to the moon. Uh, that was the first President Bush. And then, no, we need to go to Mars. Um, yeah. And uh, that was Obama. And then it was um, no, we'll go to the moon, but we're going to practice for going to Mars. So it's trying to make everybody happy, right? And that's what Artemis is. So uh, Artemis one already flew. That was an uncrewed um, uh, trip around the moon. Uh, Artemis two will be sometime in 2024. That crew is has already been uh, named, and uh, three Americans and a Canadian. Um, and they'll go in the Orion spacecraft on essentially the same path that Artemis one did, okay. uh, but to check out all the human rated, you know, systems on right. the Orion spacecraft. And then Artemis three is the, the big one, uh, which is to go land on the moon again. Um, at, at this time at the South pole, the attractiveness of having a base at the South pole is, um, on the rims of some of the craters that are very close to the actual South Pole of the Moon, you can see the Sun uh, and the Earth uh, almost 
an entire month, right? Every 20 oh, wow. days, the, the moon rotates around. Right. One side is always facing the earth, um, but the, the sun is is rotating around. So if you're at the South Pole or, or the North Pole, uh, right. the sun is always like on the horizon. And oh, yeah. Rotating hmm. around. So they, there's a couple of these points of eternal light where, you know, maybe 25 out of the 29 days or something, you have sunlight, which greatly reduces the, the burden of, because uh, otherwise you would need batteries or or you mm -hmm. have to you have to leave um when it when when there's no power um, wow and then that's also true. being at the south pole uh, allows you to explore down into the craters and again because these are on the the poles the sunlight never gets to the bottom of the craters right cuz the sun is oh, always right. on the horizon right so, right uh, different uh asteroids or small meteorites and everything that have have come in and impacted in the the base of those craters uh presumably have water and that we've measured it from orbit that there's a lot of hydrogen there which means it's water uh, cool. and it may just be ice so it could be you know you put on your warmest clothes and you you roll down to the bottom of a crater and you just stick your shovel in the ground and pull up ice and and that is a way easier way to create water than, you know, bringing hydrogen from the earth or something. So this wow. all yeah, goes, goes to, the, uh, to, to the ultimate goal of sort of living off the land, right? Um, of being able to produce your own rocket fuel. If, if you have water, you have hydrogen and you can break it into oxygen, then you have rocket fuel. Um, wow. So the, the return trip, you know, would be based on lunar propellants instead of, but we can't do that at first. Just at first, it's just right. going to be. Uh, I think Artemis three is four people go out, uh, two to stay in the Orion spacecraft, two switch over to the um, SpaceX the lunar right. lander, um, and that goes down to the surface, and they stay for like six days. So right. even our first stay. Uh, on Artemis will be longer than our longest day was. In oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. And then the goal mm. is to, and then Artemis four, five, six, basically once a year after that to send a crew and build up a base with, that's what that graphic had on it. Uh, right. Yeah. Rovers and, and habitats. First, there'd be an unpressurized rover that, uh, then there would be a uh, pressurized rover looks like a little rv you can right there on it six wheels and then a, a habitat um and eventually apply mars type technologies so that you're essentially making the moon into a dress rehearsal for uh for mars wow so, yeah and what, yeah. what's the plan for when they're going to land hopefully land the first time how far uh, are we yeah artemis three um it's uh, on the books for December of 2025, um, but probably later in 26 or 27 is more realistic. Um, they have to wait on two things, the, the SpaceX um, lunar lander, which is based on the Starship, which just had a, a test uh, a few weeks ago that was semi-successful. Uh, so that has to work. And then also the spacesuits, because we haven't done surface spacesuits, 
since 1970. Right. Uh, wow. There's a whole new, um, a whole bunch of new technology uh, suit, uh, that's yeah. being built. Yeah. Are, are they planning to have them as bulky? I mean, I know when they launched SpaceX, the spacesuits that they were wearing when they went up versus what they did in the space shuttle were a lot more, uh, more streamlined. Online. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you could argue about the fashion uh, statement of, of the big rubber boots, but aside from the <laughs> boots, they look pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, SpaceX got to make their own outfits, and those are called launch and entry suits. Uh, so you only wear them during launch and, and entry. Uh, but okay. if you're doing an EVA suit going out going outside your vehicle, uh, then you need sort of the bulkier suits because it has like multiple layers of protection right right um, including from micrometeorites which you know are like little smaller than a <laughs> bb or a grain of sand but can go through a thin suit and then right. uh if you're out on the surface and you're not going to be hooked up to an umbilical cord um then you need a, a portable life support system, the PLIS, like a, which is backpack. Yeah. Backpacks, yeah. Like they have. Now, yeah. do they do those as kind of like a rebreather? Would that yeah, be like a it, rebreather? It's exactly, like a rebreather. Uh, it it's filters the CO2 out, it scrubs it, uh, the CO2 out, and recycles the oxygen. So they're trying to get an hour of total time uh, for the backpacks. The yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that that sets how far you can go, right? You need, right, to, right. You need if you're driving your little rover out there, you have to have enough to walk back. <laughs> if you had to, right? If you if it broke down, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> flat, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, amazing. Um, so one other, one Artemis, more. Artemis is getting a lot of political support, and there's something called yeah. the Artemis Accords, which is all the uh, nations of the world. There's 32 countries so far that have signed up to the Artemis Accords. And that that's not like, hey, we want to go to the moon with you, but it's the beginning step of we want to go to the moon with you. And it includes, um, I think, like 11 different principles of, you know, you, you can't hog the resources on the moon. Um, you have to um, uh, do uh, rescue of other um, astronauts um you have to be transparent about what your plans are because the russians and chinese also want to do a base on the south pole uh, but right. they're not being very transparent about what their plans are so yeah. oh boy <laughs> uh so we got a few minutes left i want to i want to ask you about um another thing i don't we be able to get into too too deep into it but um something that uh, some people are able, well, I guess if you plan accordingly, you can see it, but um, if you look out to the stars or look to the sky at a certain time, you're going to see all these little satellites going by in a nice little row. And, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, the, the Starlink that's done with SpaceX um, yeah. and, something I was, I was asked you about and uh, I'm fascinated by the fact that you can have, I mean, you know, Derek and I have been, you know, we've done it stuff for years where it, it makes a little bit more sense, which is like a wire goes from here to here and it trans, you know, it sends, 
you know, a signal along the wire, right. but the idea that something in, in space can send some sort of signal back. Uh, I mean, GPS is all obviously, you know, we all see as magic. Uh, we just go geocaching and don't think twice about it, but um, the, the idea that you can take um, is like a laser. Is this what this photo is to uh, Tupper? This, uh, yeah, so um, Starlinks, the the new versions of them do use lasers to talk between the satellites. They use radio waves wow. to go from the from the ground up. But once they get to a satellite, they use laser com in between. But okay. that's fairly close. You know, those satellites are only five hundred kilometers away from each other, maybe uh, right a thousand. Uh, this was a, a news uh, release from just uh, a few weeks ago on the Psyche mission which launched and it, it's on its way out to a uh, interesting asteroid. That's uh, almost entirely metal. Um, they think oh, okay. nobody's visited it yet, but uh, yeah. a purely metal asteroid is, is kind of cool to think about. So Psyche is the name of the asteroid and also the name of the mission going out there. But it, a tech demo was uh, slapped onto the side of the Psyche spacecraft and it's uh, laser right. calm uh, back to earth from very far away. Uh, and they've made uh, the link from Psyche to Earth. Um, the the laser light lands on the uh, Palomar Telescope in California. Uh -huh. um, and that's a five meter, uh, so like 15 feet telescope that was built oh in the uh, early 1900s. Late 1800s, a really old telescope, but it doesn't matter, right? It's just a, a bucket that's collecting the laser light and converting it uh, into bits. And if you compare, like, a big uh, radio dish uh, that Psyche has on it, that I think is three right. or four meters across, with putting out 200 watts of, um, you know, radio waves, that gives you a certain amount of data that's coming right. back to Earth. And then you Look at this laser com, which is oh, only okay. like a one foot makes, okay. uh, mirror sending the data back, and it's doing ten to a hundred times more data because it's How over laser. I'm just thinking wow. the size of the laser is it like pinpoint laser, like what we have with pinpoints. Yeah, or I mean the the hard part is pointing the laser. Um, when when it leaves the modem, it is yeah the size of a laser pointer, and then it goes out through a telescope that's about a foot across. Uh, and then by the time it gets back to the earth, it's about the size, the, the beam that hits the earth is about the size of California. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, cause I'm thinking, the, yeah, that's, that's, it's amazing. Wow. I'm still thinking if it was still like that little laser pointer and you're hitting this object, the math of the earth spinning is <laughs> just, yeah. and this is spinning and then trying to hit what a sniper. Amazing. Uh, but still, now, now, now I got California. I'm trying to hit the <laughs> earth. That's a little bit, that makes it, that's a little bit easier. And once yeah. again, that's that, that spreading as things go out, it just spreads out as it goes. It's just, yeah, but still, it's a lot but of as, as Psyche gets farther and farther away, uh, the data rate coming back on its radio link is going to be, you know, in the kilobits per second. And over the laser link, it's going to be megabits per second. So it'll really make the mission more useful to have that laser calm. Yeah, coming back. going from dial up to, um, yeah, I mean, it's the same as when you went from um, copper wires into your house to, to fiber optic, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 It's just amazing wow. science, technology. 
Well, yeah. Um, yeah, everybody who's a space nerd at heart, go to, go on to NASA.gov. They always have a good, uh, you know, press releases of the of the latest stuff. So, well, Tupper, thank you so much. Those are um, some exciting stuff, and um, um, just uh, uh, exciting to see. Um, uh, it's. Um, it's exciting to see sorry, space so back in the news, to be honest. Yeah. I get to sit and listen. Yeah, it really is. It's a lot more positive than other stuff. I never usually sit around <laughs> and just listen. I usually run my mouth the whole time, but I can listen to this all night long. And it's, oh, it's just so cool to hear. Like, we all grew up with space was awesome. It was in the news all the time. It was something we dreamed about. It was on TV shows and everything else. And it kind of lost some of its luster for a while. It wasn't being generated as much in the news. And now with some of the partnerships you're doing, like, Kids are wanting to be engineers and astronauts and stuff again. And they're, they're excited about the future of space and Mars. And, you know, they, they see it as this thing and it's just like, transitioning. we're definitely uh, transitioning away from um, government doing everything. I mean, I work for NASA. Yes. We use your taxpayer dollars to do things, but the, the commercial side of space has, past the government side of space even if you include the military i think you know there's more people who work for commercial space companies than that than work for uh mm -hmm. you know nasa or uh or the defense department so. well, it's an it's an right. awesome time for us that right. are interested in it and of course the science is advancing quickly and i mean the fact that we're going to get to see people back on the moon we you know yeah. I mean, now Gary was, but the rest of us weren't around when the first people. <laughs> <No. were>. <laughs> I, I, was, I actually I was, was around. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was pretty young. And I remember in school, they, they rolled in the TV and I was like, wow, what do we get? I mean, we never get See, the TV. You were in school. We weren't even thought of yet. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> it tells you my age. But, uh, yeah, no. So, uh, yeah. So again, th thanks Tupper. It was fascinating. And, um, thank you for, uh, for being a part and, um, for helping, helping raise money for St. Jude and, uh, your contribution and your, in your, with your time. And, uh, and, uh, last, last item, somebody wanted their, their, you know, your cacher, you, you geocache and your GC name is, astro nut but awesome. people are like oh well that's his gc name tupper hyde it's like no yeah. <laughs> that's his real I, name I didn't, I didn't even realize this until someone pointed it out it was like hiding tupperware you're tupper yeah, hyde. yeah. <laughs> tupper no, hyde that is my real name yeah astro you didn't have to change astro the gc nut. name wanna, <laughs> yeah gc name is astro nut if you want to look me up yeah, astronaut, which makes perfect sense too. But no, that that is that is that is so awesome. <laughs> so, thank you so much, and um, we're gonna kind of get ready for the next. I'm gonna bring in. Uh, Del Go ahead. We oh, uh, I'm gonna bring Della in, and uh, we'll start get ready for ten o'clock. Hey, Della. Hi. Can you see us? Hey, you can hear yeah. us. Okay, good. Yeah, we can hear you yeah. too. That's good. And um, I know the Pizza Ninja is joining us as well, so we're gonna have a we're gonna have a full crew uh, here in the show. But uh, again, yeah, thank you. I'll get out of and, here to um, give you guys some room. Thank you so much. Yep, and I'm jumping out. Of oh, here thanks, as well. Emily. 
And thanks for Are you too? Okay. Thank, yep, I'm out thank as you guys. well. And I'm just amazed by how much has come in this year already. We've flown last two years together, I think, combined almost. Um, out of curiosity, do we know oh, what yeah. our for the entire eight years now? Memphis usually have those figured out. Oh, quickly. gosh, with the 23? Um, we are going to be – good question, Derek. Plus um, all the other years? Night plus, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're at about 73,000. Forty-nine, yeah. So, um, yeah. Did you add it up, Jesse? Seventy-three, yeah, 70, seventy thousand, seventy-two, seventy-three thousand right now. That's just awesome. Okay, That's cool. Awesome. That's awesome. So, good right, job. And good, um, continue. Good. Oh, uh, congratulations, everybody. Awesome. Um, I will catch you all later. Take care, Derek. And before you leave, Derek, um, G- yeah. uh, Gadget Talk is going to be on uh, the seventeenth. Is that right? Yep, we're going to do the seventeenth. We're going to do right? our. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the Sunday. Yeah, seventeenth. We're yep, going to be 17th. doing a Christmas for the gadget, our annual gadget person builder. Uh, yeah. So we'll be giving out some um, links and everything like that, so y'all can find those last minute Christmas gifts for those that love building gadgets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. looking forward to that. Thank you, my friend. All we'll right, see you. See y'all later. Good night.